Welcome to the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill. This podcast is about an idea. It's the radical idea that queerness is a gift and that the divine celebrates it rather than merely accepts it. We'll explore the special role that queer people are meant to play in the coming spiritual awakening. Through the lives and stories of queer people, we'll explore the many ways of approaching the divine and how the sacred reveals itself in everyday actions. Most of all, this is a podcast about love. It's about the love of the universe. It's about love between people. And it's about the love a community can share with one another. Thank you for joining me. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill, and I have a special guest here with me today. Mawia Kai Eljama Bomani is an award-winning writer, educator, and spirit woman. Mawia is an eighth-generation witch, Igun medium, and priestess of Oya in the Yoruba system of spirituality. She is also editor-in-chief of the Culture and African Traditional Spirituality Ezine, Oya in Soro. Mawia is the host of Fish Redheads in Red Fish Heads in Red Gravy, a podcast dedicated to celebrating marginalized people of the esoteric occult world. Her writings have appeared in numerous magazines, including the Crab Orchard Review, Dark Eros, and Catch the Fire. She has written several plays, including Spring Chickens, which won her the Southern Black Theater Festival's 2012 to 2013 Playwright of the Year Award. She is also the Critical Mass 8 Literary Award winner and a Cat Artist Residency recipient. Mawia currently lives, writes, and conducts Orisha rituals, spiritual consultations, workshops, house cleansings, and divinations in both northern and southern Louisiana. Her book, Conjuring the Calabash, Empowering Women with Hoodoo Spells and Magic. This book is about Black girl magic, queer girl magic, straight girl magic, trans magic, bisexual magic. It's about giving yourself the power to be fierce. Black women are hierophants, magicians, empresses, and high priestesses. And that's a that's a direct quote from Moia. Authentic and unapologetic, this guide to magical spirituality empowers you to take back the power to heal and shine under your own strength. Written by an accomplished hoodoo practitioner, Conjuring the Calabash features spells, recipes, and rituals that help you rise out of the constrictions around you. Mawia Kai El Jama Bomani shows you how to bless your calabash, your sacred womb, with love and reawaken your fullest potential through folk traditions, personal stories, and her favorite songs and pop stars. An inclusive and intersectional voice in contemporary hoodoo, Mawia will help you become your fiercest self. Welcome to the show, Mawia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So I always start by asking my guests what queer spirituality means to them. So I guess we'll we'll start there. 
Okay. Okay. Well, for me, I think it just means to be inclusive, to have magic that includes everyone. So no one feels left out. And myself being an African-American person from a marginalized group, I know what that feels like. So I, I would like to welcome everyone into this magic. So there is no, you know, um, you know, questioning on your sexuality and things like that. I know in from my own upbringing in um, Orisha work and in Yoruba culture, men as well as women can be mounted by female or, or male deities. And so that in itself lets me know that there is no uh, separation in terms of, you know, a person's sexual orientation or their love or their belief systems in that. And so it should include all of it, you know, into the magic. And so the magic itself is just the focal point, not who you love, you know, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, I'm not very familiar with hoodoo. I'm going to be honest. I've heard the term mm -hmm. and I've heard, you know, voodoo and I've heard of Yoruba. Right, I've heard of right, all these different right. traditions, but I'm not real sure what all the differences are. So can you, for the listeners, kind of give like the the quick rundown of, of what, what hoodoo is? Okay. So um, as when we talk about that, when we think about the transatlantic slave trade and we think about all of the many Africans who were brought into this place, Western America, um, there were lots of different, um, uh, for lack of a better phrase, not, lots of different tribes or different people from different regions. And so with them, they brought their own spiritual practices and their own belief systems. And as that got blended in with Native American beliefs, um, European beliefs that were already here, you know, trying to figure out how to reconfigure herbs and root work and conjure to fit where we were in this place, hoodoo was birthed from that. And so it was a form of liberation magic, not just um, liberation in terms of freeing oneself from bondage, but also because, you know, nobody cared about a Black woman having a baby. So you had to use that conjure and that root work to take care of that process as well. You know, when you got sick on the plantation, all of those things fit into the knowledge that we were pulling from. We like to call it a gumbo of the different spiritual beliefs, African practices, as well as the practices that were already here. So there's still some European influences as well as Native American influences that went into that brute. And so that's what hoodoo is. It is this, this gumbo of practices that was formed in this Western world to help us liberate ourselves. Oh, amazing. That's that, that you explain that so well. And it, you know, I've heard lots of different people attempt to explain that, but I think that just mm -hmm. is really succinct and, and makes it clear. So, um, and you've already mentioned, you know, this idea of the Orishas like can ride like a a, a female Orisha or a feminine Orisha mm -hmm. can ride a male. Mm -hmm. And so um, mm -hmm. where does queer, where do queer people really fit into who do you like, is there, is there any particular philosophy or theory or like, you know, or, or does yeah, it just yeah, sort of like yeah. not matter? <laughs> It it just it just really doesn't matter. You know, the, the practice itself is about including everyone into it. You know, males, females, even young children learn from a very early age, you know, how to divine using bones, coins and different things like that. So the sexual orientation does not play a part in it. There is no um no dogmatic book that says that you have to do it this way because you're a man or you're a woman or there's certain things that you can't do. So it doesn't really factor into it. And that's what I find. Um, pleasing about a lot of different, you know, African traditional spiritual systems, you know, even when we move Eastern, right, we have a lot less of that, you know, concern about, you know, the gender roles and 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 your place in, in the whole scheme of it all. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. Um, how does, 
what does hoodoo like what what do the hoodoo practices look like like when you get together and, and celebrate you know your your spirituality how how does that look because i think a lot of a lot of white people have this image of hoodoo voodoo all the african traditions through the lens of right, hollywood right. as this scary right, thing right. so right 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 well you know one of the things people usually want to loop hoodoo and voodoo together voodoo or voodoo is a is a religious it's a re, it's a religious practice you know there are initiations that go into that um with hoodoo it's not so much that you know there aren't any um initiations you it's about learning you know folk magic you know and it's the mm. black people's folk magic and so we all have our own folk magic systems you know and so what it looks like is just you know you may use bones for divining you know you may use playing cards right um now there's certain aspects of it that cater to african-american you know uh, because of our um lineage because of, of what we've gone through like working with um uh, an image like Lama Dama, which would be like a deity in the, in the hoodoo, um, you know, arena. And she is, she represents, and when you see a statue of her, she represents more of the African-American woman who worked on the plantation inside the home, but who was also a go-between for the Maroons, the Africans who were ran away and who were helping other Africans, you know, leave the plantation. So she was kind of like that spy, that go-between for that you know, to listen, to hear, and to make sure that when the people did leave, that they were provided with food. So in Hoodoo, we um, we talked to her a lot today about protection, you know, um, African-American men who fear the police, right? Um, yeah. And just, you know, women and our children in general. So we would use her image today to protect us. And so you offer her things like her tools, because she was a master diviner. So you have a, a deck of playing cards there. And you would kind of read them like the tarot, you know, and see what she would say about your day or what type of protections you would need. And um, food, she likes cornbread and things like that. So you would leave that out for her as well. So that's what that, you know, so there's certain things I always tell people that are um, pertinent to the African-American experience. And then there are certain things that overlap within folk magic as a whole. You know, yeah. so it may be a folk magic practice that you see that parallels European ideas, like using the playing cards, right? You can, anybody can do that. She loves divination. So I might put playing cards there. I might put bones. I might put whatever I have, you know, in terms of that date and use that to figure out how to proceed for myself, my husband, my son, whoever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that it's just so, um, like, that it's just taught and there's no initiations. It's like, there's no gatekeepers. And I, I love that. About no, it. no, yeah. no. And that's what, and for me, um, you know, writing a book, I felt like I wanted to delve into a system that was easy access for people so that it wouldn't leave anybody out. You know, because if you talk about a book about Orisha work or Oya, um, then that limits the the group of people who are going to read it, you know, and yeah. who can feel like they can engage with the magic that's in there. But when you look at hoodoo as a whole, anybody, you can practice any system spiritually and still practice hoodoo, the conjure part of it, the root work, there are parts, pockets of it that you can take and implement into your own magical workings. So that's what I enjoy about it. There is no um, initiation. Anybody can come to it. There are certain things you might feel like that really doesn't speak to me, like in reference back to Lama Dama, but I can still use the playing court aspect of it, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very inclusive. Now, how does it, how, 
How does it feel to you when white people sort of adopt some of these practices? Because I I see that kind of becoming more commonplace where white people are starting to practice these African traditional systems. And, you know, and it it makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel a little uncomfortable. So I'd love to hear your perspective, because obviously, you know. (laughs) Right, right. I think think, um, if it if it is something that overlaps, it's okay. You know, like we talked about using playing cards or using dousing rods, right? Things like that, they may overlap. But when we, um, you know, get into things like working with Lama Dama or, or even people like, um, I don't know, even like any of the Maroons, right? And using them as um, saints or images that we would call on. There are certain things that you shouldn't do because that energy itself in, in its time and place from its inception came from, freedom, a freedom fighting thing that helped African-Americans. So what would your connection be to that? So I think that finding what works for you and that is not um, a specific to that person's problem or that person's situation or subjugation, that's okay. But when it's, when it, when it, when it goes against that, then you shouldn't practice it. And I think we, we all have enough common sense to know, you know, what is an overlap and then what is, I need to step back. You know, yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I certainly yeah. hope so. Sometimes I worry that we don't right, have right, those right, boundaries. Right. But and yeah. I, and I talk about that in my book. I talk about um another individual like Mother Catherine Seals, who's an African American woman from New Orleans, spiritual community, and um, she worked with all people, black and white, all of them. Because when she went to a uh, spiritualist, he turned her away because she was black. He said he didn't serve black people. And so mm-hmm. she decided when she would have her um, her place or her, her spiritual compound that she would welcome all people. So I always say, OK, you can work with uh, Mother Catherine Seals, right? Because her yeah. history is one of working with everyone. But then there are certain people that you know that y- you may not feel that connection to. It may not be that space for you. So, yeah, like you, I, it makes me feel uncomfortable when I see people just kind of like with this idea that I'm going to force myself on on these deities or on this system. And that's, that's that just shows appropriation and not appreciation. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, you know, I think sometimes in our privilege, we forget to let the people who own those traditions do the speaking or the people who right. are being repressed and are fighting for the right. freedom to 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 have their own words we don't need to speak right. for them i mean yeah we want to hold space for them to do that right. and i see this right. in the queer community because i think um you know we we have a pro- inclusion problem in the in the gay community it's a lot of affluent white men gay men mm-hmm. who are sort of running things and mm-hmm. oftentimes mm-hmm. people of color who are queer feel excluded. And, you know, right. and part of my work is how do we make that more inclusive? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. It, I definitely understand that because I know like when my daughter, who is also queer, was looking for events where we live and it was it was she didn't feel comfortable. She didn't feel welcome because, like you say, it was a lot of affluent men, white men who were saying we're going to have this on this day. And there wasn't really a board that was working together to make the Pride, you know, day yeah. um, a success. So it was like, I don't I will just stay home, you know, kind of. Yeah. 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 And I think that's sad because we need to create space for all queer people mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, already gay men are at such risk, you know, from the police and from violence. And and then to also be gay and a person of color right. is right. really, right. A, we, we haven't made an easy path for people. And I think, you know, it really mm-hmm. should be 
the the role of us in that are leading to be creating that that bigger table, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> so everyone mm-hmm. has right, a seat right, at the table. right, yeah. right, 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 right. And so often, you know, you find where you know people who've been oppressed, they start to try to turn it on themselves and become the oppressor. A lot of times when they feel that they're in these spaces of authority where they can have this control, you know, I want more control because I've never control, you know, and it, yeah. and it's sad, but I see that a lot, you know? So yeah. 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 Oh, I think that's a, that's a really great observation about the way that, you know, gay men, white mm-hmm. gay men who felt oppressed for being gay have kind of turned that mm-hmm. To well mm-hmm. now I'm going to oppress the other <laughs> the other gays right that, right right yeah. right 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 yeah right that's right, amazing right, right yeah that's a that's a powerful observation thank you for that um, so your book is is geared to towards women and you specifically say you know queer women trans women straight women um, and then um, you mentioned Calabash being the sacred womb and of course there's been controversy in the spiritual community in the past about women's mysteries and trans women being excluded um, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, they weren't mm-hmm. biologically women right with and the womb yes 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 yeah yes, yes. so how do you how yeah. do you address that yeah. in your work yeah yeah well for me it when i speak of womb it's a tool it's a layer thing it could be just the womb for a woman we talk about biologically but also i'm talking about the spirit the heart the seat of where we keep where we where we um allow our spirituality to grow that's more or less what i'm speaking of so it, that's the inclusiveness of it is i'm not just talking about because you're born a woman but the spirit of, of everything that you do the spirit that lies in your magic that lies in your you know how you process the world, you know, how you engage and how you make sure that you're heard, you're seen. That's what I'm talking about, the spirit of it all. So that is that spiritual womb space that we all have, right? Yeah. And so that's what I that's what I mean. It's not just about a woman having a womb, because you could have a, a woman and she not be aware, you know, she not be someone who is um, um, willing to speak out and speak up for herself. So that soul space is what I mean when I say the womb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, there's a part in the introduction to the book where you specifically say this was written for people with feminine, you know, feminine bodies, even if it's in or, or feminine spirits, even if they're in a masculine body. And I just that really spoke to me that you mm-hmm, were so mm-hmm, inclusive, mm-hmm, just right there mm-hmm, in the introduction. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because I, I think about um, just that that feminine energy, that mothering, that nurturing of our desires, that nurturing of our goals. That's what I'm speaking of. You know, a lot of times we, we do, we have this tendency to associate that with a feminine, you know, men are for nurturing too, can be right. And so it's just that, that idea of nurturing our desire, nurturing our desire in such a way that we allow that soul space to come alive. And that and that and that makes that womb blossom for us and gives us a chance to birth creative ideas, even if we don't birth a physical child. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I love that because I always used to, you know, sort of talk about creation versus procreation because they're mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. similar, but a different, different like energetic level, really. So I right, I love right, that. right, right. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. amazing. Um there's so much like going on in the world right now. Um, it's kind of a scary place to be a person of color, to be LGBTQ. You know, what, what's sort of your advice for people to navigate this? Because I think a lot of people are feeling very anxious, especially as we 
approach an election year that could really be consequential mm -hmm. for, you know, both people of color and LGBTQ mm -hmm. people. What What's sort of your advice? Like, what would you sort of tell people to help them feel better about or, or feel more empowered in this? I'm thinking, you know, to allow yourself to be grounded more, to be more connected to the earth and less connected to um, social media in yeah. all forms of media, you know, yeah. just to become more connected with nature and the world. And then it'll be an easier way to process how you deal with everything. I think we get we get more fearful when we um, tune in too much to to all of this. You know, who's next? Who's coming up next? Is this person coming back? You know, what's happening politically? You know, those kind of things. And I think for me, um, being grounded, touching the earth with your feet, you know, um, using those veils and things like that to just awaken your senses and your spirit, um, pulling a card a day, you know, doing some tarot or if you want to do Lenormand, do that, you know, and, you know, just just getting in tune with the spirit and not so much the dogma of religion, you know, and I think that that will help us to better process whatever comes, you know, whatever comes, you know, we, we, we can't change what, what what's going to happen right then and there. If it happens, you know, we can't change it. It's already happened. You know, we can, we can move forward and process it a little bit differently and, you know, so that we don't internalize those things. So I, I always start with being grounded, you know, whatever you do, you wake up in the morning, get a cup of coffee, you know, say it, whisper some words into that coffee, and you even into the coffee ground, the water before you put it in the machine, you know, whisper some words of, of affirmation for yourself, for your community, you know, and then have a drink, share a drink, you know, with someone else. And so it's those little things that we do, I think. Um, within our own community, and then it starts to branch out. And I say, start there. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's such great advice. Absolutely. And definitely, like, the more you tune into the news, the more, you know, it's almost like news has been designed to induce anxiety in people. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. if they if they can't do that, then there's no news, right? They're not right. Happy. You can watch them, right? <laughs> the weather right. man on. It's like they don't want to tell you it's going to be a beautiful day. That's not what they want, you know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you mentioned community several times. So obviously community is very important to you. What this is something that I kind of struggle with in my own work is, um, you know, younger queer people who have always sort of felt more mainstreamed now that sometimes mm -hmm. don't feel the necessity to find queer community. They don't find the necessity for spiritual community. They just feel like, well, I fit everywhere. And, you know, but do they really is kind of the question. And also, if you're not in a community, a queer community that's like preserving the history and remembers where we've come from, you know, there's always the potential that we'll end up back there. Right. And so right, I'd right, love to right. hear what community means to you and what, what you, what you get from community yourself. For me, um, I know even in the African-American community, spiritual community with Ifa, with Hoodoo, whatever, Vodun, um, you, same thing. You know, you watch these TikToks and a lot of times they feel like they know it all and they don't need that. Um, to me, it's just, you know, I might type in a quick post about someone historically, you know, um, who 
practice or something that Zora Neale Hurston said, a quote from her book, you know, put that up there. And you find that a lot of people, they resonate with it, even some of the, a lot of the younger people. And they'll go and they'll ask about that book. Where can I get that book? Or can we have a book talk on that? So things like that, trying to have, um, I usually have, uh, I have about five young women that I'm working with now. And we're centered around this book called um, The Devil is uh, Nothing But a Five-Letter Word. And, um, and so we talk about, you know, our understanding of ancestors, because for a lot of them, you know, there's this idea about making a beautiful altar, but not really knowing how to connect with it. And I think some of those things you can only get from community. And so we talk about that. I, we read chapters. We come back and discuss what did you feel about that? There's some ancestral work that has to be done. So for me, a lot of it, it is good to use the, you know, the internet for a lot of that connection. But a lot of times I was just throw out a quick poster and something and they, they pick it up and they want to know. And even if they don't credit you with it, you know, they come up with it, like they discovered it, you know, that they've reached out for that information. And so it allows it to live and to linger long after, you know, any of us. And so I think for a lot of them, they want to know, they just don't want to be preached at, you know, and, and that's yeah. with all of our communities, right? They want to know the information, but they don't want, just like us, right? But they don't want to sit in a church. They don't want to feel like they're having to sit in a church or, or sitting in the science lecture hall and being talked to. You know, they just want to be able to experience the information and to use it and move on in their way, which is right now a lot of TikTok, right? those ways yeah. and that's and that's fine because it's allowing them to really hone in on their magic you know and to start to feel comfortable about it but it doesn't it doesn't um disavow anything that's happened in the past because you can still shoot that information out there so that's what i've been doing and from that information like i say i've been able to form study groups and we just talk about the chapters it's not anything where i'm you know i'm acting like some instructor but you know just to get them to really understand that um there's a basis in this. And, you know, you need to, you know, understand who came before you, you know, and pay yeah. some reverence to those individuals. Yeah. 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 I love that. You know, I teach myself and I always, even though I am the teacher, I, I'm part right, of the right. group because I always learn something from my students. Every right, time I teach right. something, I learn from right, them. Right. So, yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of queer people that have had spiritual or religious trauma or have had issues with their families not accepting them. And this happens a lot with um, gay men of color whose families have, you know, become have joined the church and are very religious and they you know, don't want anything to do with their gay kids, um, things like that. And what would your message to those people be? My message would be to embrace your child because you love them long before any, you know, phrase or any acronym came out about them. You know, you love them then. So love them now, you know, take a glimpse, take a walk, go and visit, you know, the things that they do, they like to do that you may find, you know, offensive to you, you know, see first before you start to pass judgment, you know, and I, and I talked to um, a couple of people whose parents, you know, were not, you know, they were like, no, we're not with this, you know, you're a lesbian. I don't want, and, and talking to them and and allowing them to read some of the books and things we were working on and within our group and talking to them about how inclusive it is. You know, they see that there is really no difference. You know, um, there is no idea in Ifa, there's no idea of of a hell or a devil. You know, we always say that um, everybody has their right to live their life, their truest life, their truest self. 
and that we need to allow people to be happy and to experience all of the pleasures that they need to in this physical form. And I think for, for some parents, it's still kind of standoffish. They don't want to deal with it. But for some, they start to see that their child is not um, demonic, so to speak, you know, or doing something that is um, wrong. They are in relationships that are loving and they're experiencing spirituality that is also loving, you know, and, and nurturing to their, to them. And so I would, I would just say to experience life with them for a moment, you know, don't talk so much, quiet down and just experience life and to see what, you know, what, what their life is like. And it's no different from anybody yeah. else's life. You know, it's an experience. And, 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 and I told them that I would say, you know, just for, for about a week, just be quiet and let them lead. You know, let your child lead you and to see exactly what they're doing for about a week, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Vodun ceremony, you know, Ifa ceremony, whatever it is, just experience. Don't say anything, just experience. And then afterwards, you can come together and journal about it, trade journals, and then, you know, just sit down and process. Yeah. And you'll you'll be surprised how often that works for people just to know that, um, you know, because you don't try to you don't try to uh change their ideas about heaven and hell, right? Yeah. Um you let them see. You let them see because then you get into a shouting match, right? It's yeah. but you let them see, you know, and once they see exactly what's going on, then they have to come to terms with, okay, is this right or is what's what I, what's in my heart right? You know? You know yeah. what I've been taught or is what is this sensation right? Which one wins? And usually it's the heart. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's such a great approach because we do sometimes lock heads over ideas rather than mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just saying, you have your ideas, I have mine. What do our hearts say? And I think that's right. such a powerful, such a powerful thing. So you now you mentioned earlier that you have a, a daughter that's queer. Um, what was her coming out like for you? Um, well, actually I have two, but the the youngest one, oh. she's the zany one. <laughs> but um, so I, it was actually, you know what, before all of that, I kind of figured, right? Um, there was a, right, really, because there was a teacher. Mothers who, know. Uh, my mom was right, 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 right. <laughs> she, she had come to my school for an, I had to sign off for an art project. And um, she kept saying, you know, I want, I want, I just, there's this guy in the class with her and he's so, I think they could, they'd be great for the junior prom and all that. And I was thinking, okay, okay. And so I went home and I just, you know, passed it. I said, like, you know, the teacher was saying something about, and she just kind of rolled her eyes about it. And later on that night, she said, you know, told us that she was actually queer. And so we were like, we love you. We don't care. Oh, I'm saying, okay, yeah. okay. We support you. What do you need from us? You know? And um, the next thing was about uh, trying to create a safe space for the students at the school who were queer, you know, creating this club. And, you know, of course, they, you know, the the principal and the, you know, the the administration, they kind of locked heads because the alumni were against it. What is that going to look like, you know, for our school kind of thing? And um, it was a it was a it was a tough fight. I mean, she really was speaking on it and doing all kind of research. And toward the end, that was junior year, senior year, they still said no. But when she went off to college, I told her, I said, well, then, you know, when you leave, you're an alumni. So you have, you know, so now you can say you're saying. And so they eventually did get the club, you know. And so we were kind of, we were working through all of that, still magic, everything, everything, everything played a part in it. And so, yeah. um, you know, when they recently got the club, she was in college, you know, and she was cheering, you know. You know, so I said, yeah, because, you know, you don't give up the fight because that's what they want. You know, so for me, 
it was um just like I said before when we were talking about how to introduce other people, you know, you take the lead, tell us what we need to do. How can we support you? What do you need from us? You know, wow. that's what it was like for me. It was never, a, oh my goodness, you know, nothing like that. It was, what do you need from us? How can we help you? How can we protect you, right? Make sure you yeah. have a safe space and, um, you know, just just lead us. Yeah, that's amazing. And in such a great way, like such the right way to do it because so many parents do make it then about them and what they need right. from it, from that situation, right. not like, you know, right. like you said, what do you need from us, which is just really right. amazing. So, and I, and I love what you said about the fight doesn't stop. Like, you know, you, they want you to give up. You don't give up. You don't like walk away right. from it. Yeah. That's, right. 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 Yeah. So inspiring. So um, what else do you want to say about the book? I, I want to make sure that we, we really talk about the yeah. book because, you yeah. know, this book has like, recipes for like sprays and like just all kinds of neat yeah, like yeah i just i want to say that i wanted in 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 terms of you know sexuality of course inclusiveness for all of us but also i start off with the women and the nurturing but i also include men works for men i also include work for the elders and for children and mm. one of the main things that i really like to talk about with kids is you know this whole thing of bullying especially with cyberbullying and things like that yes. so works for that in addition to naturally talking to your administration and all of those things but you know and and trying to help kids feel safe with that because yeah. you know a lot of people with children who i've worked with you know they've not just the bullying itself, but the night terror, you know, those things of dreaming about the whole situation. So there's works for yeah. all of those things within the book. So I try to um, make it a community book when we think about, you know, our families and things yeah. that we do and not be divisive in that way. So there, you know, there are workings for them as well as for our elders as they move on and start to transition. You know, we think about death doula care and things like that. And so how we can make those spaces safe for them as well as calming for us, taking care of them. So those things are also included. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm curious about bullying, like just kind of your your take on it, because I, queer kids have always been bullied, let's be honest, but it seems like it's become a much worse problem. Like, is, is that just my perspective as someone who maybe doesn't remember it as well of being older? Or do you see that it's it's grown more? And, and why do you think bullying is... Like why is bullying behavior seem to be on the rise? Right. I see it. I see a lot more of it too. It, you know, at working in elementary school, I've worked in high schools as well. But um, I think because it's easy, a lot of the parents are doing it to each other. You know, they're they're modeling their parents' behavior. I know before the pandemic, right? Um, where I work, it was we we had smaller cases of it, right? And then after the pandemic, everybody's coming back choosing sides, right? I'm mm -hmm. with Trump, I'm with this, you know, I'm doing this, and so it that then it became easier. So everything that they felt like they associated with, um, you know, being elitist, right? They they were against everything else, and so that whether it was you know queer kids, whether it was you know African Americans, you know Latinos, whatever, you know it just became a bigger issue, and I think a lot of it had to do with that us being at home, feeding back into the media, and the families feeding the children that same information, right? And so yeah. when they go back to school, you have this 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 just 
powder keg of, of, of hate, you know, that's stewing. And so I think for me, that's what I saw because some of the same kids, mm-hmm. right, who I would see before the pandemic, they were not like that. And then afterwards, you know, there's a lot of this, you know, I don't want to work with this kid. I don't want to, you know, and he was thinking, where did that come from? You know, what was going on yeah. during lockdown? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how do you think we as a as a people, as a as a country get over this like division and, and hatred and start to move forward together? I think we just have to keep saying our say. We have to keep talking about the issues, even though they say don't talk about them, right? Because we know that the reason when we talk about them, it must work. It must be bothering someone that they want us to <laughs> shut up, you know? <laughs> so I think we have to keep talking about race relations. We have to keep talking about homophobia and all of these different, we have to keep saying it, you know, we have to keep, you know, it out there. We, you know, we have to keep having the the librarian, the, the ladies in the librarian reading, you know, the transgender women reading in the library, you know, we have to keep doing these things so that they can keep seeing that we're not going to shy and go away. It's not going to go away until we address it. And once, you know, they say, okay, okay, we've had enough. We see you now, you know, then we can yeah. start to talk about, you know, what those issues are and how we can get past them, but we can't, we can't just shy away from it. That's not going to make it go away. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's such a great answer because that's really what you have to do is you can't like mm-hmm. if you go hide, then they they right. won. And yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I I could talk to you for hours because you're so passionate <laughs> and you and your and your your advice and your outlooks are so like grounded and down to earth and 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 common sense. And I really love that because sometimes you know you talk to spiritual people and it's like this sort of like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like woo, and it, and yours is just so like grounded, and I really right, like, right. I love that. It's right. very applicable. Um, as we come to the close here, though, what what parting thoughts do you have to share with the listeners? Well, I just I just want them to be open to understanding different cultures, different people. You know, don't you know shy away from it. You know, you can learn something. Listen. You know, even even if you feel like, okay, I'm a white person, I can't buy this book. Yes, you can. You can buy it and learn about the perspectives of people who have gone through some things and they had to come together to form this type of magic. Why did this happen? And then that may give you a better outlook on a different community that you probably just kind of disregarded. So I think for me, I would just say, listen and and learn from listening, you know, about the different people and what they what they do and how they live. Yeah, such great advice. And yeah, definitely buy this book because it's a great book. <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah, I have my copy here. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm looking forward to finishing it. Um, how can people get in touch with you? They, the best place would be to go to my website, which is my name, maweakaieljamabomani.com. And then they can hit up all my links, social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter. That's the best place to go to find out any information. Okay, great. Well, we'll put that link in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening to this, just go go look at the description and that link will be there for you. So what what's next for you? Do you have another book in the works or? or yes. What, what? Yes. <laughs> um, so um, I'm working, I'm currently working on a book that is about hoodoo, but it is more about, because the first book is kind of like an introduction to pull people in to sort of get them, if they're not familiar, even if they are, but if they're not, just to give them a basis on a, kind of like a roadmap on how to do things. And with the next one would be about, you know, setting up those altar spaces and working with um, saints. But a lot of times working with saints are heroes and heroes of our, of our particular lineage, right? And then, and then, and 
in turn talking to other individuals about how they can incorporate those heroes in their own path uh -huh. and enshrine them and use work with them. So yeah, that's what it's about. So I'm excited about that one because I think it will give people a, a chance to really feel like they're practically working, you know, for the betterment. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like an amazing book. Can't wait to see it. So thank, thank you, you so much for taking the time to to join me today and, and talk to me and, and our listeners. Um, I've really enjoyed this and, and learning thank about you so who much. do you and yeah. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been the Career Spirituality Podcast with Julian Crossan Hill. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving a rating on whatever site you get your podcasts at. Rating the show allows other people to discover it and be exposed to these ideas around queer spirituality. You can also find my blog and past episodes of this podcast at www.queerspirituality.net. That's www queerspirituality.net. You can also there find links to the Queer Spirituality Facebook group, my various social channels where you can get involved in the discussion or send me your feedback or questions or things you'd like to hear on the show. Thank you again for listening and for your support. Bright blessings.